Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. And do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Father, thank you. For your word, a lamp unto our feet, a light upon our path. If you have the freedom to pray with your spirit, go ahead and pray right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we ask that you would move beyond the confines of our mind. We've not come just for a lecture. We've come to receive, Lord, impartation from the Word of God, the Spirit of truth, that would change us, that would allow us, Lord, to rise in a new empowerment of your Spirit, that we would possess that which you said that we could have in every area of our lives, in the areas of relationship and finance. Lord, all the things that you have called us to do, that we would walk in such a way that we would possess each and every one of those. And then when it's all said and done on that great day, on the great day of the Lord, we would hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So move in power this morning. Through the preaching of your word in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I would encourage you to take notes. Entitled the message, Change. Everybody say, Change. Change. Change is inevitable. Change happens. Change is coming. And change sometimes isn't always comfortable. Sometimes I'm thankful for change. There's some changes I wasn't so thankful for. I remember when my kids were born, the, that first diaper that, I, that we changed, when I wasn't too thankful for that. But change happens. It happens throughout your life. We're born, we grow up, we die. You're a boy, you become a young man, and you become a man, and you get older. You look in the mirror one day, maybe, and you see your hair is falling out. You find hair on your pillows. Come on, any guys know what I'm talking about? They really just transplanted onto your chest. 
But then you find maybe in your latter years that your chest is no longer big and strapping, but it's, as Pastor Phil, a friend of ours, says, you get chest or drawer disease. Your chest falls in your drawers. <laughs> We're young men. We desire to get married, maybe. We get married and we go through change. Then you maybe, maybe you have a child and you go through real change. Even if you have one or two or three or four or five, which each child, there's progressive change. The, the baby's teeth, there's change. You stay up all night. Things shift. They become toddlers. They grow up. Then they, then they become teenagers. How did that go, Pastor Karen? <laughs> many of you don't realize that Many teenagers are so off the wall because all their synapses in their brains are not linked yet. Did you know that? That's the truth. So just be patient with them. Love them. Don't give up. They go to college. Get empty. the empty nest syndrome. Change is inevitable. New jobs. You move. Has anybody had a new job just in the past five years? Raise your hand if you had a new job in the past five years. Anybody moved in the past five years? You know, you might find it remarkable, but that's unusual. And for, for the many generations earlier, people had jobs for 20, 30 years. It's, it's not the way it is. People stayed in one place their whole life, grew up in that town. That's not the way it is. We, we live in what's called a global village. There's tremendous change. And what we read about today is so radical for Joshua that I don't think we can fathom it, so I want to put it in perspective. God says to him, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid. He's still called Moses' aid. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, when God tells you something you already know, he's trying to tell you something else. How many of you think that Joshua probably knew Moses is dead. I mean, if anybody knew Moses was dead, Joshua did. And in fact, the whole community knew that Moses was dead. Now God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. He's saying something else. Brace yourself. Moses, the great leader, the guy who saw the burning bush. The guy who with a staff and the power of God went and brought down the strongest nation in the earth, Egypt. The guy who... I would say single-handedly, but God, of course, working through him, delivered his people out of the house, what's called the house of bondage. Brought them into the desert. Fed them with manna. Fairly anointed leader, Moses. Fed them with manna. They say every day, two to three million people would have to have, I think it's 14 to 17 uh, car loads, railroad car loads of manna every day. Can you imagine that? Anybody seen the, the railroad go through town? You seen a railroad go by? You count all the cards? Count, count, count 14 of them. That's how many God would have to, that's how much manna God would have to drop on Israel every day to feed them. Supernatural. Moses. When they got tired of that, they asked for meat. Moses prayed and brought quail. A knee high, knee high. Knee deep and a day's walk in every direction. That's a lot of quail. Moses, pretty anointed, 
signs and wonders, Moses. Brought water from a rock. He was on the mountain when God came, spoke to him, and took his very finger and wrote in tablets of stone, giving them the Ten Commandments, the law. Moses. Moses is dead. Houston, we have a problem. Can you imagine being Joshua? So God says to you, hey, that anointed leader that brought you all this way, he's dead. I know. Guess what? You demand. Can you feel the weight of that for Joshua? Can you imagine what that would have been like? Oh, 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 wait a minute, God. I mean, he goes on, and we'll talk about it here in a moment, but I mean, he says, be strong and courageous three times. Like, you get the idea the boy's scared. He's nervous. God says you're going to go into the promises. Go into the promised land. I want to say to you this morning that not only is change inevitable, but it's mandatory if you're going to move into what God has for you. You've heard this so many times before, but you can't do the same thing and expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity. And if you want God to move in your life more than He did in 2011, there needs to be some stuff that changes. You need some change. You need some change. And just because they're changed doesn't mean that you can't win. Doesn't mean that you can't have victory. I'm sure Joshua was terrified. Listen, the change that you're facing today... I believe that the change that you're facing today is literally like it's to be a springboard to launch you into the purposes of God for your life. Don't look at obstacles as as just the devil. Come on, this morning when we when that door closed, the house. We got in the car, realized none of us had the keys. Immediately. Now, I'm just being transparent. My wife doesn't know it because I was able to keep my mouth shut. Come on, I know I was anointed this morning. My wife's like, absolutely. Now, she always has her keys in her purse. So immediately, I wanted to think, not always, but mostly, 90% of the time. So in my mind, I'm thinking, why don't you have your keys in your purse? I don't need any help preaching. I got it. Immediately I'm thinking, why don't you have your keys in a purse? And I felt like the Lord said, why don't you have your keys in your pocket? And I thought, I think this is a bad time to blame. Let's just chill. When you go through change, it's easy to point the finger. It's easy to try to say, oh, if you'd only done this. That Moses, if he didn't have that anger problem, man, he'd be leading us now. But now he's let now it's... Moses' aid. Aren't the people going to be excited about that? I mean, can you imagine? Why didn't Moses deal with his anger problem? I mean, that's why he forfeited the promised land. And that's a whole other message. Just because there's change doesn't mean that you're not going to win. You are going to win. Somebody say, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what the changes that you face, look at it like a springboard to launch you into the next thing that God has. Let the change that you're facing today be the opportunity that God has provided to move you into your promises. To move you in to inheriting your promises. To possessing your inheritance. Can you say amen this morning? The Jordan River was separating them. God's promise on the other side. God wants us to cross over the river. God wants us to take cities. God wants us to overcome obstacles and to possess our inheritance.
And there's a number of things that I see in the text this morning that would be worthy of underlining and taking note of. How to deal with change so as to possess your inheritance. How do you deal with change so that you can possess your inheritance? Now, the first thing, it's, it, it, it's, it's not on my notes, but I need to say this. Joshua was in covenant with Moses, and he was in covenant with God. The very first thing, if you're going to be used of God to possess that which God has for you, you better be in right relationship with Him, number one. And number two, you've got to be in community. You must be in community. In other words, there needs to be a community of faith that you're operating in. Joshua wasn't just picked some bum off the street. He wasn't just selected. Turn, turn with me to Deuteronomy. Very quickly, Deuteronomy 34. It's just the book right before that. The very last chapter, Deuteronomy 34, verse 9. Listen to this. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. He's filled with what? Okay, he's filled with what? Okay, so Joshua is filled with? Well, why is that? And it says right there, because Moses had laid his hands on him. Fascinating scripture. The scripture is this, that Joshua is filled with wisdom because Moses came and laid hands on him. In other words, the laying on of hands, there's a, we could do a whole study on that. The laying on of hands is a powerful elementary teaching according to Hebrews 6. And Moses laid hands on Joshua, and as a result of Moses laying hands on Joshua, the young Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom. In other words, had he not been in relationship with Moses, had Moses not laid hands and prayed for him, he not would have received, he would have not received a spirit of wisdom. Wow! Do you mean that I can receive a spirit of wisdom by somebody laying hands on me? Absolutely. And you can receive healing. You can receive impartation. And none of that would have happened for Joshua had he been not been in covenant with God, right relationship with him, and in right relationship with his brothers. You know, I was, we were helping somebody on New Year's who was very intoxicated. And as we were helping them, they were saying, you know, I've got church. We're inviting to church. No, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to church. This is my church right here. Anybody ever heard that before? I, I love God. I mean, he's full of scripture. He had the word in him. He knew about Jesus being his Lord and Savior. All of that. He said, no, no I don't go to church. This is my church. That is bunk. You need to be a part of a local church. He said, I don't want to go to the local church. It's filled with hypocrites. I don't want to go to that place. And Jesus went to the synagogue and they killed him. Look, going to church, yeah, you're not going to find a perfect church. And if you do, don't go there because you'll ruin it. <laughs> oh, we need, like, it's all part of, you know, what about that guy that doesn't wear deodorant? Or that, that gossiping woman, I just can't take her anymore. Man, that guy, he just backstabbed me. Yeah, do you know all of those things are in, in your life as an opportunity to make you more like Jesus? Come on, has anybody ever tried to sand anything down, you know, sandpaper, try to make a, a smooth edge? Yeah, all those people are, iron sharpens iron. And if you're getting all bent out of shape because of people, maybe you need the one that needs healing. Come on, they're God's opportunity for you to change. So I don't like that. All right, I'll move on, but it's the truth. Joshua was in right relationship with God, and he was in right relationship in the community and with Moses. He had been faithful. He had been loyal. He was one of the spies that went in, and ten came back with a bad report. But Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. They believed God. 
The others, they, they saw themselves as grasshoppers, and so they were. Joshua and Caleb saw themselves as the army of God. The bad report spread and judgment came on, on Israel and they wandered around for 40 years and Joshua had to wait. Now Moses is dead. Joshua is chosen by God to go and lead God's people in possessing their inheritance. And there's three things that God gives Joshua as he moves forward. Three things out of the text. The first thing is you're dealing with change and you're going to move in and possess your inheritance. The first thing is keep your vision clear. Everybody say it. Keep your vision clear. Look at verse 4. God repeats to him, your territory will extend from the desert Lebanon to the great, great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, the great sea on the west. God says in verse 4, basically, he quotes Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy 11, verse 24, God is speaking to Moses, and he's saying, he says the exact same thing. This is your territory. I'm going to give it to you. You're going every place you set your feet. I'm going to give it to you. So now Moses is dead. Joshua's the new guy, the aide. He gets promoted. And God says to him, now, let me remind you, here's the deal. You're going in. This is your territory. When you're going through change, you know, it can be confusing. When you're going through change, sometimes you can't see the forest from the trees. One of the things that has kept me uh, over the years, staying on fire, staying close to Jesus, is keeping my, what, what my coach used to say, what my dad used to say, is keep your eye on the ball, son. Whatever ball sport you play, if you're catching a football, you focus on the football like it's the Matrix. You know what I mean? Just... Ah. When I tell you good at ball sports, eye-hand coordination, don't take your eye off the ball. So the Lord spoke to me years ago and said, Son, keep your eye on the ball. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of difficulties, keep your eye on the ball. What's the ball for you, Pastor Daniel? Revival, reformation, getting people saved, the outpouring of the Spirit, signs, wonders, miracles, Christ-likeness, being like Jesus, walking with Jesus, keeping Him first and foremost, loving the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul and all my strength and letting everything else in the periphery of that just fade away so god says to joshua in the midst of this change you're the new man but listen here's the deal focus on the thing this is what i'm giving you i'm giving you this vision's got to be clear what has god called you to do what has he said that you can have you know real success is has nothing to do with money Real success is having what God says you can have, doing what God says you can do, and being who God says you can be. That is real success. And sometimes money comes with that. But I mean, the, the apostles, when he's going, going to, at, the, at the hour of prayer, silver and gold have I none. That'll destroy your prosperity theology. But did he leave his pouch at home? He's going to the temple. I mean, they, they almost always give an offering when they go to the temple. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The church has forgotten what we have. It's not all about money. Come on, it's not all about you being... Some, some people think that if they just had more money, everything would be okay. You're wrong. Oh, yeah. Don't look at me like you're crazy. I'm telling you the truth. When you're going through change, be clear on what the vision is. The vision is the same. That God said to Moses, it's the same. God doesn't change his mind. He's not a man that he should lie. 
Remind yourself. Look at, look at verse 5. Remind yourself of God's promises. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. This is all a repeat. He's hearing things that he heard from Moses. God is saying to him now. There's some scripture where Moses would go to the tent of meeting and the cloud of the presence of the Lord would come. And then Moses would leave. And and there's a scripture that says, and Joshua stayed. You know what I think began to happen is the cloud that stayed and God would talk with Moses. God began to have the same intimate relationship with, with Joshua. And so God's speaking to him, reminding him of the promises. Remind yourself of the promises. What did God say he was going to do? What are the promises to God? You know, as a parent, I'm constantly speaking to my children to remind them of, of the promises of God. Hannah said to me last night, she's in her bed and she woke up. My giggling son and wife woke her up. And they woke me up too. And then they went to sleep. And I'm awake and Hannah's awake. And Hannah says, Dad, I don't want to lie here alone. Now, anytime my child says that, I say this. Honey, you're not alone. You're never alone. God's with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And they go, I know, Dad, but I still don't want to lie here by myself. They don't fully get it yet. You've got to remind yourself when you're lonely that you are not alone. You've got to remind yourself of the promises. That's just on a base level. Look, sometimes in marriage, since my wife's not here, She's left the sanctuary. So look, sometimes in marriage, I've been very blessed in my marriage. But there's been times when, man, there's been upset. And, I've, I, you know, in prayer, you get really irritated at your spouse. Has anybody ever been irritated at their spouse? Okay. Well, all right. So, and, and then in prayer, listen, I've said things like this. I've said, Lord, a man finds a wife who finds a good thing, receives favor from the Lord. I found a good thing. I found a good thing. God, you've given me a good thing. I've got favor. Yeah, because your heart might be a little angry because maybe you feel disrespected as a man. As a woman, you don't feel loved. And that vicious cycle of love and and respect happens. When men don't feel respect, it's like somebody steps on their air hose. (gasps) When a woman doesn't feel loved, she can't give respect. When 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 a man doesn't feel respect, he has a hard time giving the love that she needs. And the cycle goes like this. Somebody's got to step off the boat, off the cycle, and begin to give what the other person needs. Guys, little key for yourself. Pick up your BVDs and love your wife. Ladies, quit telling him to take his hands out of his pockets and be in the fourth part of the Trinity. Respect him. Honor him. You say, you don't know what he's done. You don't know what he does. Well, respect him and honor him where you can why? He's not worthy of it. But you're an, honor, you're an honoring and a respectful person. Honoring, respectful people give honor and respect. And you, when, when somebody receives that, a man receives that, it just begins to stand up. Everybody say, remind yourself of the God's promises. When you're going through change, possessing your inheritance, you're going to go through change. You go through change. The first thing is... Be reminded of vision. Refresh yourself. What is this all about? What are you doing? The second thing is remind yourself of God's promises. And the third thing is be strong and courageous. Now, strength and courage, they go together in Hebrew. 
You see, if you feel strong, then you feel courage. If you're walking down an aisle, an alleyway rather, and there's two big angels walking on either side of you, you feel protected. But if you don't feel or see or know that there's any angelic protection there, and you're walking down an alleyway that you should not be on, you're scared. You see, strength and courage, they, 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 they come together. See, that's why when, when, you know, you've got, it says in there, don't let the word of the Lord depart from your mouth. You need to speak the promises. You need to declare, God's going to do this. This is going to be the greatest year ever for our church, 2011. I'm going to let me say that again. This is going to be the greatest year of harvest, the greatest year of salvation, the greatest year of raising up disciples and releasing laborers and leaders. It's going to be the greatest year. It's going to be the most tremendous year. This is the year of breakthrough favor. This is the year of prosperity and blessing. This is the year of releasing the power of God in heaven. This is, what, this is the year. Look, I just keep telling myself that all the time. I said the same thing last year. Guess what? It was true. We said the same thing in 2009. Guess what? It happened. 2008. It happened. 2007. It happened. Some of you are new to the church. Look, we used to have 20 people on a Sunday morning. Praise God. If everybody show up, we won't have enough seats. Have to go to three services. And that's a good thing. We'll get there. Amen. He said, well, what about, what are we going to do with Minister Barry going? What do you mean? God's going to raise up people. We're going to move forward. Amen. I mean, sometimes I get in that mode. What are you going to do with Anchorage? We don't have a building. I just go, Jesus. What did you tell me? You told me to go. You told me to, you told me to put my foot on the ground. You told me just to, to take a step. So we did. Sometimes it takes a while for those things to come about, but you've got to speak faith. Don't speak doubt. No devil talk. Isn't that what we say? Sometimes, sometimes kids, you know, they start thinking, oh, I, I can't ever do any right. No, no, that's devil talk. We don't even believe in any of that. We make mistakes, but we're, we're, we're made in the image of God. God's called us to be blessed. God's prospering us. Come on, no matter what the over voice of your mind says, tell it to shut up. Things are changing. It's going to be all right. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to get through this difficulty. I'm going to move into the promises of God. I'm going to take the promised land. I'm going to possess my inheritance. I'm going to do what God called me to do. I'm going to receive what God intended to give me. I'm going to be successful in God. I'm going to do it. You begin to speak to yourself like that. Some of you know my testimony. I came out of a deep, dark pit. I won't tell the whole thing, but I will tell you that there was no way I could even look anybody in the eye when I first gave my heart to Jesus. I hated myself. I was ashamed. And I got a hold of this principle of, of declaring the word and meditating on the promises. And I would stare myself in the mirror and it was very uncomfortable. I felt like some new age weirdo or something. I'd look myself in the eye and tell myself what God was going to do and who I was. I'd look at myself and say, you're a child of God. And I'd just be like, jeez, I don't feel like it. Ah. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. I'm bought with the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, once you begin to rehearse over those scriptures of promise and identity, you know what begins to happen? After a while, your mind gets renewed. You know, they've, scientists have proved, and the medical field, they've proven that there's, your mind can get in a groove. So if you continually rehearse all of your failures, you can stay in this failure groove. Some of you need to regroove your mind. You dig? 
Some of you need to rethink, rethink things. Don't, listen, don't allow for negative thoughts to be in your head. Don't rehearse your failures. Don't go over things over and over and over. It's never going to work. What are we going to do? Oh, no. We're in trouble. We're in trouble? It's just change. Be strong and courageous. Everybody say it. Be strong and courageous. Now, there's a number of reasons you want to be strong and courageous. Because if you're weak and anemic, you ain't going to enter into the promised land. So you've got to be strong and courageous. Three times he tells him that. One of the things you'll notice why he has to be strong and courageous, and it's the same reason for us. Joshua had to be strong and courageous because a whole nation depended upon him. You and I have to be strong and courageous because it's not just about you. It's about all the people that you will affect should you have victory and walk in the promises of God. If you possess your inheritance, how will that affect your entire family? For all the years I've been pastoring and been here in this church, I, I have seen this pattern. People that come in, their whole family can be headed to hell in a handbag. When they come in to the house, they get saved, they get touched, they get filled, and they stay. They stay, they grow, they get discipled, they, they deal with their issues, they confront their fears, they keep coming to church, they keep learning, they get involved in choir or worship or, or small groups, they, they get plugged into a marriage life group or something, and they, and they keep working it out, keep going after it. Keep, sometimes they need counsel, they get counsel, they're, at, they're in the altar for prayer, they're in morning prayer, maybe they're committed. And they don't leave? Do you know what happens with every single family that's like that? Just, you just need one. I call them the rope holder or the well digger. Just one. One person that comes in and does that, the whole family gets saved. Sometimes it takes 10 years. Sometimes it takes 20. And sometimes it just takes two years or two months. So I don't know the timing of it, but I have, without fail, every time, seen somebody come in to the house of the Lord, serve God with all their heart, God takes their whole family in time. So it's more than just about you and your happiness. Come on. Some of you have been ordained by God to be the Joshua for your family. Stand up. Be strong and courageous. Don't fade. Don't quit. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. There's others that are depending upon you. You can do it. Can you give them praise in the house of God? You can do it with God's help. We affect people. Don't yield to the snare of the enemy. Think about, think about all the lives that affected you. Some of your homes weren't picture perfect. Things happened to you when you were a child that are unspeakable. The truth is you need to speak about it. Get healed. But the way that people lived in your life is your parents, your grandparents, maybe your brothers, sisters, your siblings, cousins. I mean, those can leave marks on you. How will it be? What kind of a mark will you leave? When I was a kid, we used to go to my cousin's for Thanksgiving. And I had this one cousin, Brandon. And then um, he was wild. He was about five years older than me, real good athlete. Now, what he did was they brought me into their back bedroom and they, they wrangled me to the floor, and they tied me up, and they thought it was really funny. Then, all the cousins came in, and I think there was like six of them, and there was a set of bunk beds. And they tied me to the top bunk bed, 
from the underneath. And it was one of those bunk beds that would like been passed down and passed down and passed down. So it would fall off on occasion. You know, the, the posts would come off. And so they tied me to the bottom bunk bed and said, if you move, it's going to crush your brains. And they walked out. I, I lied there in paralyzed fear for probably five minutes. And I got so mad. I had an anger problem. I got so mad that I figured if it crushed my brains, I'm still going to get up and do something to these boys. Do you know that that image and that, that, that was a trauma for me when I was about eight years old? That trauma for me was stayed in my life for years. Some of you don't understand the effect you're having on your kids. You don't understand the effect you're having on your spouse or your family members or those who are watching you. It's not just about you. We're so selfish. You know, today we got locked out. I could have flipped off and just made my, you know, blown my stack. How come you don't have your keys? You always have your keys. What are you thinking? I mean, I'm working on my message. I'm going to preach this morning. What have you got to do? How could you forget your keys? And if it wasn't, honestly, if it wasn't for the Lord saying, where are your keys? I probably would have said a little bit of that. Well, how come you didn't have them in your purse like you do 98%, 99% of the time? But the Lord, the Lord stopped me. Now, here's what we don't think. I got two kids in the back seat. Some of you don't think this. I got two kids in the back seat are watching how mom and dad are going to respond in the midst of a, of a challenge. I needed to get to church. We had to be here at 9 o'clock. We're locked out of the house. I checked all the windows. I couldn't get in. The spare key is gone. The car is running. It's going to time out and the alarm's going to go off. I know all of that's coming. It hasn't come yet. We don't think about the two little ones that are in the back. You overcoming is more than just about you. Joshua understanding that it was his turn to stand up because Moses had laid hands on him because it was now Moses was dead and it was his hour to stand. It was his hour to remember and to, and to see vision clearly. It was his hour to remember and declare with the promises God's going to give us his place. And all of Israel is depending upon him leading. As it goes with you, so it will go with your family, brothers. We don't like hearing that. We just think, oh, it's going to be all right. No, it isn't necessarily. I had somebody once tell me in the midst of a suicide, another member was, of the family was, was battling that and they didn't know the Lord. We're trying to help them and the one person says, well, it's going to work out. You ever heard that? Do you know that promise is not for somebody who doesn't love and serve God? Deuteronomy 8, pardon me, Romans 8, verse 26 and following through 28, says we know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. You love God, you'll obey His word. You love God, you live for Him. It all doesn't work for good unless you love God. So we just hope that some, oh, it's all going to work out. No, it isn't necessarily. Which really leads me, leads me to the next point. Be strong and courageous because we affect others. Be strong and courageous by obeying the word of the Lord. You don't be strong and courageous based on your own ideas. God is not obligated to stand over your opinion. 
He is, however, obligated to stand over his word to see it performed. Now, your opinion doesn't mean zippity-doo-dah. God didn't bring forth light based on somebody's opinion. He said, let there be light. Bam, there was light. When God gives you a promise, and there's over 7,500 of them in texts of Scripture from Old Testament to New Testament, roughly. When God gives you a promise, you stand on that thing. It's got power. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Peter got out of the boat and walked because Jesus said, come to me, Peter. Before the word went forth, there's no water walking. But you can walk on the water if God's given you the word to do it. Spiritually speaking. Verse 7 says, be, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law. My servant Moses gave you due do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. You need to speak the word. You need to, when you pray, pray the word. You can always tell when somebody's in the word when they pray. If they're praying and there's no word coming out, they're not in it. You've got to pray the word. You've got to pray forth the promises of God. How do you do that? Okay, if you're feeling weak, there you are. You stand on Philippians. You're feeling weak. You're feeling scared. You say, Lord, thank you that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You live on the inside of me so I can be strong. Thank you that I'm not alone. You will never leave me nor forsake me. You start battling loneliness. Identity. Start speaking forth the truth. Say it. You've got to say the word. Speak it. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. The double-edged sword of the word. The, the, the Greek word is diastomai, dies too, like dice. Stomai is sword or, or a mouth. They're synonymous. The picture is that it's a double-edged sword. It comes out of God's mouth one way with one edge. And when it comes to you, when it comes out of your mouth, it's two edges. The two-edged sword out of your mouth. When you speak forth the word, it has power. It has power. When you're witnessing to somebody and you're sharing your faith, give them Scripture. Give them the word. John 3.16, anybody know it? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe on Him would not perish but have... Amen. That has power. All right. You guys getting anything this morning? Speak the promises out of your mouth. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Verse 9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Sometimes that's just a choice. You just have to push it out of your, push it out of your mind and push it out of your emotions. In times, of, in, in times for me of great fear, and I have been in some situations, near-death situations, in times of great fear for me, I just sing. I sing. I lift my voice. I love to worship, and when I worship, Jesus comes on me. And so in times of great fear, when I don't know what to do, or I'm dismayed, or I'm distraught, I lift my voice. I lift my voice and I sing. And sometimes, you know, the first time through, whatever I'm singing, I don't feel anything. Third time, fourth time, maybe not even the fifth time. But eventually what happens is God's power comes on me. And that discouragement goes and the fear goes. You get filled with the Spirit. Be drunk with wine. Not with wine. Be drunk not with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't laugh too hard now. Okay. 
God's not caught by surprise anything that you're going through. Let me close this message. God's speaking to us. Now, in the midst of change, God wants us to be strong and courageous. God wants us in the midst of change to understand that change is the springboard. The change that you're facing is the springboard that God has given you to move into the purposes and the plans of your inheritance. God's got an inheritance for you. It doesn't always, doesn't always turn out the way that we'd expect it. There are those who have gone before us. Their prayers are eternal. You know, I think about your mom, Mrs. Dean. I, I, I think about her and I, you know, we just didn't expect her to go to heaven that soon. She was such a vital part of our church and such a vital part of the community. And all of a sudden, boom, she died. And I know you guys are still grieving. We just love you and bless you this morning. But I couldn't help but think about there's places and things that she prayed that we have not yet to move into. There's prayers that, that she released that have filled the bowl of heaven for your family, but for our church and for the body of Christ that we have yet walked into. So just because there's change, shift, there's got to come a change and a shift many times. You know, it's an interesting thing. Greatness comes out of people when they're put in places. You don't know what's in somebody sometimes until a change comes. This is going to be the greatest year you have ever had. Embrace the change and realize just because of change, you can still have victory. And that God wants you to rise from, from perhaps just being an aide, which is an honorable thing, to begin to lead. Lead your family. Declare the promises. Did you get something from Jesus this morning? Come on, would you stand up on your feet? We're going to take communion as we do in the first Sunday of every month. If you're going through change today, some of you might say, yeah, I'm going through change. Some of you might say, I need a change. This needs to change. It's inevitable. It's got to change. Maybe it has changed or it needs to change. Or you're in the midst of changing. Just begin to thank God and look for His purposes. Keep the vision clear. What has God called you to do? Hallelujah. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread and He broke in the cup and He blessed it. He said, this is my body and my blood which is broken and shed for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, we just thank You that You're giving us strength and that You made a way out of no way. Lord, You made a way for us to be forgiven, to be washed, to be cleansed, to be healed. Would you examine your heart right now just all across this place? And if you're not right with God, won't you just, just be made right with Him today? If you've never received Jesus into your life, won't you receive Him today? If you want to give your heart to Jesus, maybe for the first time this morning or in a recommitment, 
Just pray this just right out loud. Just say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. Everybody, just reaffirm your faith or pray it for the first time. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. We're going to receive communion. If you'd like to receive communion, just begin to come from the back rows, please. And, and uh, you can just filter in. And then if you peel off to the right there, and we'll all receive communion together. It's an open communion. Anybody can receive communion this morning. It's, it's just juice and a cracker. We're going to pray. Receive communion all together here in a moment. Wash away my sin, nothing but the blood. What can make me whole? All again, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is of law that makes me white as What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? Can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the blood of G. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all. Won't you sing with us at the cross, at the cross? At the cross where I first saw the light And the burden of my heart rolled away It was there by faith I received my sight 
And now I am happy all the day. Thank you, Jesus. For the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes. Just sing it a cappella. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood of Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Just examine your heart right now. Lord, forgive us for where we've fallen short, wrong thoughts or attitudes or motives, where we've not heeded your voice, where you spoke to us and we didn't listen, we were too busy or maybe crowded you out. Lord, we repent for all of these things, those that we're aware of, and Lord, forgive us for those that we're not aware of, people we may have hurt unknowingly. But thank you. And Lord, we know that you've gone and that you will come back for your spotless church, your bride. So we declare your forgiveness and all that you've done, your healing. If you need a healing as we receive communion, just receive it by faith. Heal bodies right now. We thank and praise you. For you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. So we receive your forgiveness, we receive your healing, we declare that you're coming back. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Let's eat and drink together. Praise the Lord, everybody. Won't you give God praise? Come on, just thank Him right out loud. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's a brand new year, a brand new day. Just start thanking and rejoicing Him. He's going to make a way for you. Amen? He's going to make a way. It's going to be the greatest year ever. If you'd reach across and take someone by the hand, ushers are coming with bags to receive those.